Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hawkcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by GoIowaAwesome and Rivals.com. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Before we get started today, make sure that you subscribe wherever you're listening, including on YouTube as we are over there. Drop that like button, hit that like button rather. And then if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., hit subscribe, leave that rate and review. It helps us out a lot. This week, we're joined by Dub Jellison of the Boiler Upload, and I was looking at him momentarily to make sure I spelled that, or I spelled that, pronounced that right. Wow, off to a rough start here on Hotcast on this preview episode. Um, also part of the Rivals Network Boiler Upload. Dub, you got a new coach, new quarterback, a whole lot of new in West Lafayette this year. Tell me, have things have has the team lived up to expectations? What were your expectations going into the season? Yeah, I think anyone that was realistic about 2023 for Purdue realized that this wasn't going to be that Big Ten championship game type year for them again. Um, you lose your head coach, you lose your starting quarterback, uh, star wide receiver, tight end. You lose a bunch of guys um, over there on defense as starters. And um, Ryan Walters was a little behind the eight ball just in terms of what he had to work with. Um, like you mentioned, he did bring in Hudson Carter at quarterback. Uh, but there's still so many moving parts, uh, specifically on defense with with a brand new scheme that's that's difficult to play. You have to have your guys in there, and Purdue hasn't really had their guys in there. Um, but – my expectations for the year were if Purdue can make a bowl game, it would be successful. Um, I I didn't anticipate them going four and eight, three and nine. I know a lot of people did, uh, which I was kind of surprised by. I know that someone picked them to finish last in the Big Ten West, which had me scratching my head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, had me scratching my head a little bit. But um, I didn't think that the defense would look this poor as it has through five games. Um, But like I mentioned, it's kind of a result of what you have um, in terms of personnel. So um, it's, it's been a very up and down start for Purdue this year, but uh, I think they're very happy with where they're at getting to two and three um, with a very hard schedule as well. Well, You mentioned Ryan Walters coming in um, after that big 10 championship appearance last year for Jeff Brom and company. I'm going to go off the beaten path for a second here before we really get into the game. Do you think Louisville is a better job than Purdue for Jeff Brown? Not not with everything that's going on with the Big Ten and all the expansion and the money that's flowing into the conference, but it's home for him. Like, There's some Purdue fans that get all up in our arms and want to see Louisville do bad, and it's like, I mean, this guy did a lot for this program, pulled him out of the depths of hell. To be quite honest with you, I mean, I'm sure you remember seeing some of those Purdue teams when they played Iowa. It was rough, and it was rough playing against everybody, you know. So um, he came in here, and I don't necessarily want to say saved the program, but came in there and, and brought them back to relevancy, got them to a Big Ten championship game, something they hadn't done um, in the program history, got them back-to-back eight-win years, something that hadn't been done since uh, the early 2000s. So you can't really fault the guy for going home after he had done his job um, up here in West Lafayette. And I think a big part of it was his dad. Um, I know his, his dad was really pushing him to take it back in 2018. I believe it was 
Um, and he, he decided not to because he had made some promises to some guys um, on the roster that he'd be there uh, throughout their time at Purdue. So um, once Satterfield left, I mean, <laughs> we were there doing the press conference for the Citrus Bowl uh, after they had announced the game. And um, you could just tell. I mean, he someone brought it up. They're like, hey, Louisville's got an opening. And he's like, oh, I don't know anything about that. A couple, <laughs> couple days later, he's having his inter- introductory press conference. So, um, But no, to answer your question, I know it's kind of long-winded, but no, I don't think Louisville's a better job, but it's home for him. So, Gotcha. With with Ryan Walters coming in, he brought in to instill that defense, uh, mm-hmm. one of the best in the, in the Big Ten with Illinois, arguably in the country. Uh, you hit it. I was actually just going to say it is you get really have to bring in your own recruits. You have to bring in your own guys. 17 sacks. I mean, you can't be upset with that. Right. But, but you said it, it hasn't lived up quite to what you were hoping for. Yeah. Those outside linebackers, man, you got that five man front, um, bringing five guys, basically every single snap. Um, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but it's gotta be in the 90 percentile of them bringing all five of those guys. So uh, Nick Scorton, who's kind of been a breakout guy for Purdue, um, is a sophomore. He played a little bit as a true freshman last year, but mostly in a reserve role. He's done very well. And then Kydron Jenkins, um, he's he's the other outside linebacker. He's been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And his issue was never how good he was. It was staying healthy and being consistent, and, and that's exactly what he's done. So that pass rush has been great and um, I don't know if you had a chance to see Purdue's game against Illinois, but Ryan Walters went back to calling the plays and he started dialing up some pressures that resulted in a strip sack that uh, turned into a touchdown um, from a uh, from a cornerback blitzing. Um, got a couple other sacks from from defensive backs rushing. So um, I think Purdue's really focusing on that pass rush because they have to because uh, those guys on the back end haven't been able to prove that they've been able to uh hold up as much now iowa fans have kind of been disappointed to this point in the season with the pass rush in in iowa city and for good reason i mean that was expected to be one of the deeper parts of the team this season obviously losing noah shannon doesn't help that but only three sacks to this point and they're looking at 17 like oh my lord must be living in the backfield in in west lafayette like you, I, I, we get so wrapped up from week to week looking at the these opponents, so it's it's hard to like keep track on everybody. But like when I saw that Iowa only had three sacks, I was shocked. That's absolutely insane out of a Kirk Ferentz team. Yeah, and uh, you'd think a lot of them would be coverage sacks too, just because yeah. of I mean you got Cooper DeGene back there, right? Xavier Wampa, five star Quinn Schulte, super experienced. Jamari Harris coming back. Jamari Harris is, has been kind of getting into the flow of things. Got his first pick in two years uh, last week after the injury from from last year, but um, that number is also it's because of the way other teams have approached playing Iowa to this point get the ball out quick especially against Western Michigan especially against Utah State especially against Iowa State where those offenses aren't as good it's just bam ball out like you touch the ball and it's it's to a receiver it's to a tight end it's to a running back so it's largely a byproduct of that but also just lack of production there um so I, I, you could put that point to a few things. You could point to fitness. You could point to um, just opposing most, I, I would, I would mostly put it on 
on the scheme of, of these other teams that they're facing because they know what they're facing against. I mean, no, no, a Shannon is obviously not ideal, but you know, four-star Aaron Graves is in there as well. And, and YA black, who's a, who's a physical freak. But when we revert more, so back to the Purdue defense here, I have to think based on the fact that Cade McNamara is down one and two, the offensive line at Iowa has not been very good this year. I have to imagine that five-man front is just licking their chops going into this weekend. Yeah, and I th- we talked to Kevin Kane um, earlier today, and he was steadfast on like, hey, these guys are going to come out and run the ball with the backup quarterback. Um, obviously, even with McNamara in there, they hadn't really moved the ball through the air all that well. Um, so I think that's that's really produced focus. And it's an area that, that they've really struggled with, especially containing the quarterback, which I don't know how much they'll have to do that with Deacon Hill back there. I mean, he's he'll be, he'll be tough to bring down at 260, uh, which is insane when I saw that. Um, but I don't think he's the same runner as like a Garrett Schrader or Luke Alton that have really burned Purdue um, over these last three or four games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, I would anticipate them kind of selling out and, and trying to stop that run. And Ryan Walters from day one, during his introductory press conference, he said, we want to make the opposing quarterbacks beat us. We're playing against the quarterbacks, and that's exactly what they're going to do on Saturday. We mentioned the run. starting to look like Caleb Johnson is going to be back this week for Iowa. He's been practicing. Uh, We're probably going to learn more about that tonight on uh, uh, when Kirk's available with uh, Gary Dolphin on their their weeknight shows. Um, but he was shown in a, a picture on Instagram that they shared today that he was practicing. Um, usually that's an indicator that they're going to play um, on, on the weekend. So expecting Caleb Johnson to be back, which is going to be a huge weight off this backfield. Two true freshmen getting a bunch of snaps. Well, mostly Kamari Moulton getting the mo- a lot of snaps. Obviously, LeSean Williams really looking to be the bell cow. They could not establish the run to save their damn lives last week against Michigan State. Um one thing that is a positive for Deacon Hill as opposed to Cade McNamara is Cade was dealing with that right leg issue, that thigh. So Deacon's a little bit more mobile and he's going to be tough to bring down because he's 260 pounds. So I'm sure you've, you've heard a lot about his arm as well. I don't know if you saw my tweet that's gone like semi-viral with the Iowa fan base. The furthest he's ever thrown the ball, he said is 73 or 74 yards. Whether or not he can put it where it needs to be is a, is another thing at this point in his career. And uh, the Iowa wide receivers had six drops last week, five of them with Deacon Hill. So that is is definitely something to to take note of. But you mentioned the guys on the back, on the back end had having struggles to this point in the season. Is that youth? Is that getting used to the system? What's 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 going on there? I think it's just simply what's asked of them. I mean, they're all playing with the exception of Dylan Thieneman, who's kind of that ball hawking safety center fielder. He, he's lining it up. I think people will be – if you watch Illinois last year, you'll kind of be accustomed to it, I guess, a little bit. But he's like – he lines up 15, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's way back there. So his job is just to clean everything up, play zone. But um, outside of him, all defensive blacks are playing, are playing straight up man, 90-some percent of the time. So um, if they lose that – We've seen it a lot this year. When they lose those one-on-one battles, you're going to have guys wide open. So Purdue's been susceptible to giving up the big plays. Um, Isaiah Williams burned them a little bit. Um, Going back to week one, Fresno State's wide receiver, Eric Brooks, had a huge game. Um, Jalen Lane had a really good game for Virginia Tech, too. So um, it's all those guys that 
I mean, you have to win those one-on-one battles. And if you don't produce kind of behind the eight ball there, and uh, they brought in uh, a couple of transfers, Marquevious Brown from Ole Miss and then Marquise Wilson from Penn state. Um, and they've held up fairly well, but like I mentioned, they've both been susceptible to, um, to giving up big plays. And then Cam Allen, um, he has two picks and he's played all five. This He's using his COVID year this year. He's played all five years going back to when he was a true freshman. He's been, he's been very, really struggling um, in pass coverage. So that's a guy that he could match up with like Eric all or one of the Iowa tight ends. And that could be an area that they can exploit on Saturday. Now I'm sure, well, like you and everybody else in the country and the Big Ten, I'm sure you've heard plenty about the Iowa offense, especially, uh, well, the passing game to this point. I did this last week with Justin Rose when we were previewing the Michigan State game. So I'm going to ask you, do you know how many catches Iowa's wide receivers have to this point in the season? Oh, I literally was just looking at this. I'm going to go with 18. 20. That was close. That was very close. That was nice. <laughs> I know for a fact that none of them have reached, I think, is over 80 yards. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't know I, that off the top of my head. But Eric yeah. All, Eric All was the only one that was over 100 besides Lachey, but Lachey's out. So Right, right. Um, Lachey, by the way, Luke Lachey. Oh, um, but it doesn't matter because he's hurt. So going to this one is not really a big deal for you. But um, – when you look at that, does that you mentioned the big plays? Talked about Eric All, who is a really, really good receiving tight end. I mean, mm. you could split him out and play wide receiver, and it he in fact kind of does that when they make him go five wide. But that lack of receptions by the receivers, there has been, if I'm remembering correctly, like one big play and it was the first big play it was the first play of the season or second play of the season um first passing play of the season Cade McNamara to Seth Anderson against Utah State so I guess there were a few uh, a few big passes last week or one big pass I think it was like 30 or 40 yards from Hill to all but that lack of production by the wide receivers is that something you point to as a guy who covers the Boilermakers and say, well, that's good for, for Purdue because if they're not producing, that's going to take a little bit of the weight off the back end. Yeah, most definitely. And I think this is, this is a game that Purdue, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, they're looking their chops at because they know that Iowa hasn't shown to be able to, to beat teams over the top, even in, even a little bit. So um, they'll be able to really hone in on that pass rush and, um, as long as those guys on the outside and the back end can can keep up just even a little bit, they should be able to get to the quarterback and make Deacon Hill have a have a really tough day. But um, like you mentioned, yeah, I mean, it's for a defense, it's starting to get its confidence. I think this is a perfect matchup for them. Moving to the offensive side of the ball for Purdue, we know they like to air it out a lot last season under or, or yeah, under Jeff Brom with Aiden O'Connell, now the starting quarterback for for the Raiders, obviously. Is that kind of their same MO with Hudson Card this year? I, I know I, I looked at the receivers and and one of their receivers has 24 catches as opposed to Iowa's 20. So that like blows my mind as a guy who covers Iowa football. Are they are they airing it out quite a bit with with Hudson Card under center? Yeah, so it, it's actually pretty contrary. They've been very balanced. So it's not like that Mike Leach air, air raid offense that Graham Harrell 
uh, played in in college. He's and he's been very upfront about it. He's like, we're going to get our playmakers the ball no matter where they're at. And they really leaned on Tyron Tracy, who I know, uh, obviously, I was very familiar with. Um, moved to running back after being a receiver for five years in college. And um, it makes you wonder what he could have been if he was a running back the entire time because he's just been a breath of fresh air into that room. Um, they really leaned on him. And then to a lesser extent, Devin Mockaby, which is very surprising. But Mockaby's dealt with fumble issues. So I think he has he's up to five or six now on the year. Um, after just having two last year. So um, that kind of Cinderella story is taking a bit of a halt, and um, he got passed up for that starting running back job. But they're still going to feature both guys. Um, I think Tracy had 21 carries, and Mockaby had 14 um, in the win over Illinois. So, um, I mean, Purdue's still going to run the ball. I think they'll still lean on it because I know that Iowa has been somewhat susceptible to giving up um, not big plays in the run game, but – I'm allowing a lot of rushing yards a little bit. Um, so I think Purdue's really going to lean on that. But to go back to your your actual question, I keep going off on these tangents. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it hasn't been the type of offense that I think everyone expected in West Lafayette. And the one that uh, has really been in West Lafayette since Joe Tiller came here in 1997. So before the season started, we did a preview pod of just the schedule and and I referenced Hudson card and, and this potentially being a trap game. If Iowa beat Penn state, obviously that didn't happen. So, and Michigan state being a trap game too, for that matter, Purdue kind of can get their number from, from year to year. But, um, and I, I referenced Hudson card and I know, I believe he was a four-star on Rivals coming out of high school. Yeah, and obviously didn't get the starting job at Texas, but when you're matching up against Quinn Ewers, that's going to be difficult. So he moves to to playing at Purdue. I, I, a similar question to what I asked at, at the top of the pod. Has has he been as good as, as some folks expected him to be? Has he produced to the degree that, that I don't know, expectations were there or or has he been a surprise, a disappointment? Where are you at with with card? Because I know he's five touchdowns, just three interceptions like that. That surprised me. Just five touchdowns at this point. Yeah, that's been a, a result of Purdue's just been terrible in the red zone and they haven't been able to cap off drive for the most part besides the Illinois game. Um, a, a lot of that's can be attributed to turnovers and uh, they've been very porous in third and one and, and fourth and one in short yardage scenarios. So um, I think that kind of relates to the touchdown passes. But, I mean, you look at his numbers, he's – I think he's top – he's a second in the Big Ten in, in passing yards. Um, so he, he's been productive. He had a two-game stretch where he just had – he had five turnovers, I believe it was, um, against Syracuse and Wisconsin, which kind of threw a wrench in things. But um, – it hasn't, like I mentioned, he it hasn't been that that air raid where they're going to drop it back. They're going to drop back and throw it 40, 45, 50 times. Um, so he's done, he's done the best that he can um, under under the circumstances. The way that they talked about him leading up to the season, you would have thought it was a second coming of Drew Brees in West Lafayette. Um, it hasn't quite been that, but I think that Graham Harrell and, and Ryan Walters are very happy with with where Hudson Carr is and just his understanding of the offense um, and things like that. And they've been able to move the ball well. It's just about punching it in for them. So, um, yeah, I mean, Hudson Carr hasn't quite lived up to my expectations just 
because it literally every time we were at practice, it felt like people were just singing the praises of Hudson Card. Um, and while he's done some really good things, he's left a little bit to be desired. Questions when it comes to Card. First, when asked about opposing players, Iowa does a really good job of hyping them up where there might not be something to substantiate there. They did say that that card is a little more mobile. Is he a guy that that can pull it down and, and run pretty frequently or does he just have that capability? Doesn't do it. What does that look like? What, what What's his mobility like? He most definitely has the capability. He ran for 50 some yards against Wisconsin. That kind of out of necessity. He's running for his life in that game. Um, but he, I think he's been a little bit hesitant to run with his legs. He didn't do it a whole lot the first few games of the year. And I think Coach Walters and Graham Harrell said something to him about it. They referenced it um, during one of the availabilities. And um, he started to pick it up a little bit. He can get, he's not going to be a guy that's like, Caleb Williams or going back to like Kyler Murray or someone like that, who's going to rip off 70, 80 yard runs, but he can get you 20, 25 yard chunk plays with his legs. Cause he's that athletic. And he's also does a really good job of moving around in the pocket, um, being elusive uh, with his legs as well. You mentioned those short yardage situations, trying to finish off drives. Is it the offensive line? Just to put it simply. <laughs> yes. It, okay. I will say that over the last couple of games that they've been a lot better. They got Gus Hartwig back, um, who's been a, a two, three-year starter for them down at center. Um, he's done wonders for that offensive line, man. It's, it's It's been remarkable, honestly, just to see him come in there. And it feels like that group's really rallied around him because he had a brutal knee injury against Northwestern in November last year. Uh, worked all summer, all spring. Um, all fall to get back and finally made his debut against Wisconsin a couple weeks ago. Um, and Coach Walters credited him, and he said, like, hey, this offensive line is playing leaps and bounds better, and I think it's because of uh, Gus Hartwig. So um, Purdue's averaged like 100, just over 190 yards on the ground uh, with, with Hartwig back in the lineup. So um, he's, he's doing something right, and they did do a little bit better um, in those third and one, fourth and ones. I think Graham Harrell's also been – um, a little more creative was his play call and trying to trying to maybe spread them out a little bit more because during the first few games, they were just running it right up the gut and getting stuffed every time. And go, kind of going back to your question about Hudson Card's mobility, him and the read option haven't quite gelled like I thought they would. It's kind of been clunky there. He He's very hesitant to decide when he's going to pass it off and when he's going to take it and tuck it and run run on his own, and that was a big issue in those short short yardage situations too. Back to Tyrone Tracy. Mm-hmm. Playing running back right now, obviously spent those first five years at receiver. First question is, is this like the Charlie Jones situation where he's just chilling in Iowa, doing nothing, and then shows up as super productive, basically gets everything he wants out of being at a different school and continuing to make Brian Ferentz look bad? <laughs> a little bit. A little okay. bit. Jeff Brom didn't – he admitted this. He said that he, he didn't feel like he was used properly last year. He's still a wide receiver. Um, kind of that that gadget guy. He he did have a bigger role in the backfield. Um, and then Lamar Connard, um, who was at Miami of Ohio, c- came in, and he's known Tracy for a long time, coached both of his brothers at Miami. Um, and things have just clicked back there for him. 
Um, he's been phenomenal. He's got a rushing touchdown each of the first five games of the year. Had a kickoff return for a touchdown in the first game. Um, he's just been electric with the ball in his hands, and it hasn't looked the the prettiest. He's not going to make a bunch of guys miss and run for 60, 70 yards on a single play, but most of produced chunk plays and explosive plays out of the backfield have come with him with the ball in his hands. Um, he's been very good in space. Um, and he's a north and south runner, but he can also make guys miss. And um, he's really excelling in this in this air raid offense that's featuring the ground game. Can't help but think. <laughs> I can't help but think of Aladdin with both of these guys. A whole new world. <laughs> it's just like, whoa! I can touch the ball. You know what it's, I'm saying? It's wild. Uh, it's not to the level of Charlie Jones last year, but sure. I mean, I know I was had their issues with Brian Ferentz, but we could we could do a two hour podcast just talking about him, which I'm sure you guys oh, have yeah. done. You guys yeah. have done for the last five months. You know, if uh, somebody told me I'd be singing for you, Dub, I would have been very surprised. <laughs> anyway, uh, so has he just kind of taken that transition from wide receiver to running back just in stride? And he really embracing it, you know, uh, going full bore for for running back. Do you do you see him maybe making? it in the league this point at this point with with what he's done at, at the running back position i've been starting to think that i don't think he's a guy that's gonna climb up the draft boards and be in like the second third round or anything but i think he could be an undrafted free agent and, and possibly make a team um if he's if he's doing this type of stuff um but yeah i mean a lot of people thought that he should have been a running back all along it kind of reminds me of i don't know if you remember raheem Mostert while he was at purdue but uh, yeah, he was. They stuck him over at wide. That whole era had a bunch of issues, but this is just a small one. Uh, they stuck Raheem Mostert over at receiver, and he he did really well in the kick return game. Um, finally, put him at running back his senior year. Had a pretty had a decent year. Um, it's hard to have a have a good year um, with just all the issues that that era had. Um, and now you see him in the NFL. He's going on his eleventh year, I think. It's still kicking at running back, so. Um, I think that that could be Tyrone Tracy. It, it draws a lot of similarities, although I, I do think that Mostert was more talented. Oh, I have seen the, I, I saw a spread as we're going into this weekend, as we're going into this game and, and wrapping things up here on, on Hotcast at one and a half. Are you surprised by that? What, what do you, because Last week it was 12 and a half with Michigan State. Obviously, Cade was expected to play the entirety of the game there. Um, I, I didn't believe that that like I would I'm not a betting guy, but if I was a betting guy, hammer the under. Like I will take that under on that spread all day. But at one and a half, that's a close game all game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I I think that that I feel like that should just be the line whenever Iowa plays, though. All those games I feel like are gonna be yeah. like they gotta lean on a, a defensive touchdown or a special team touchdown, like like from Cooper last week, um, to kind of give them some breathing room. But um I was not gonna go out and, and blow people out as as I'm sure you know when when you get into Big Ten play. Obviously you're playing against Western Michigan and those teams, you can kind of impose your will on them. But um I think Purdue the, I think if I had to guess, the odds makers are betting on Purdue to just continue this momentum that they've had. Um, and then, like you mentioned, they're looking at McNamara out, Deacon Hill coming in, 
very little experience at the college level. So um, I think that kind of plays that plays a large part in in it. Okay. And, and one other thing before we get into final score predictions or anything like that, um, just looking at the amount of points that Purdue's offense has scored 24 against Virginia Tech, 20 against Syracuse, 17 against Wisconsin, and then 44 against Illinois. Iowa's defense is definitely the toughest they've faced to this point in the season. What are realistic expectations scoring wise? Do you think they'll get up above 20? I think if they can do that, it'll be a win. Right. Because I know I don't think Iowa's forced too many turnovers, but Purdue's been very susceptible to them, um, like I mentioned. So I mean Purdue's got to take care of the ball. And um if they can get the run game going, I think that they could have some success. It's gonna be tough thrown against those DBs, like you mentioned earlier. Um, but I think someone we haven't talked about, I thought you were going to ask about is Deion Burks. Um, he's a guy that they've started to try to get him more, more involved in the offense in different areas. Um, so he has a little like shovel pass that he caught and ran in for a score. I think that they could do some creative things to get the ball into his hands in space. Um, and he's a guy that could, he can score a touchdown on any play. It doesn't matter, matter where he's at. He's Ryan Walters called him a freak and he was on the athletics freak list. Um, he's just a, he's a different animal. Five eleven, blazing fast, uh, fastest guy on the team according to Walters. Um, so he's a guy that could break things out. But uh, to go back to your original question, um, I think if they can get up to twenty, I think it'll be a win, and it might be too much for Iowa to come back from if Purdue can get out to a ten nothing, fourteen nothing lead early. While we're at it, um, is there anybody else that I should have asked about? <laughs> Not off the top of my head. Max okay. Claire, Max Claire, who's who was their top tight end, um, went down against Illinois. They haven't come out and said it yet, but I would be willing to bet that he probably is not going to suit up on Saturday. Okay, so Deion Burks, that's that's a name to watch for for the Iowa defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and does he kind of like? flip around where what he where he does things on on the is he like a utility is he an x he is a y is he a slot where, where is he at uh offensively for for purdue he can do a little bit of everything they've lined him up in the backfield a couple times but i don't know how comfortable he is back there um he broke out for 152 and two touchdowns in the season opener after having 149 all of last year as a redshirt freshman um so he's just explosive and i think he's really He's really honing in on his craft in terms of route running and, and tempo and things like that. He's talked openly about that. Um, and then on top of that, he's just really hard to bring down. And he can he can catch basically any ball you throw in his vicinity, even though he's on the shorter side, he can catch it. I mean, his, the way he can move his – it's it's unlike anything I've seen from Purdue receiver. Because, like, going back to Rondell Moore, like, he was explosive and fast, but he didn't have the dexterity of Deion Burks. He couldn't. He wasn't. He wasn't that guy that can go up and make acrobatic grabs. So deal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Now, as we wrap things up, do you have a final score prediction? I didn't come into this, but I think Purdue rolls in there, and I think they get it done. I truly do. That I. I think that surprised you. Um, yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> Because I just, even with Purdue's defensive struggles, I don't know if 
I will will be able to keep up with them if the offense can get rolling like they have um, in the second half of the Wisconsin game and then all the Illinois game. Um, and I think I was making a joke. I thought it might be a race to 14, 14, 17, 20. So I think final score gun to my head, I'm going to go 21, 17 boilers. All right. Um, one thing, one stat that I well, we kind of have to keep our eyes on every game for Iowa is the number of plays, like the difference, the difference between the two offenses. Obviously, it was horrendous against Penn State. I don't even remember what it was. It was like 70 something to like 30 something, if that. And then you look at last week and going into the fourth quarter, uh, Michigan State had run 20 more plays than Iowa did at that point in time. So that's just always going to be a factor because if you have this type of offense with this type of playmakers, with that type of quarterback, something's going to happen. Something's going to, you know, Deion Burks could slip through a Xavier Wampa tackle and go for 60 yards. And that's that. So ultimately I'd, I'd probably say, man, it's a tough one. I'd probably say 17, either 17, 14 or 17, 13, Iowa. Um, probably a, <laughs> It's it's just kind of become a, a running thing of, oh, I got a special teams or a def- defensive touchdown in there because that's <laughs> what they have to do to win. It's so bad. I think and, it's – sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to ask you what you what you thought. Go ahead. Yeah, if I mean, if they do that, then they're going to be in a really good spot. I think they have to, honestly, every single game. They're going to have to – and that's what I talked about a little earlier. Like, Purdue can't turn the ball over against this team. You can't give – an admittedly subpar offense extra opportunities, especially in the short field. Um, I don't know how, how good their kicker is, but even if you're giving up field goals, I mean, every single possession in this game is going to be at a premium and, and Purdue can't have any miscues. Iowa's kicker is good. Drew Stevens is really good. He hit one from 52 with ease last week. Um, and he said he was hitting from 60 pretty regularly in practice without trying to force it. So, uh, yeah, he's he's a pretty damn good kicker. He got put on scholarship this last year um, after kicking. I think he only missed two field goals all season as a true freshman, as a walk-on. So, uh, yeah, he's he's pretty damn good. And, and I think that one thing that you referenced toward the top of the show is that Purdue's offense has kind of moved, I don't know if with ease is the right phrase, but with ease between the 20s and things get hard in the red zone. Well, that's kind of an Iowa's defensive yeah. MO, right? <laughs> so um that's that's gonna that's gonna definitely benefit Iowa there. And if again, if they can force a turnover and just get something out of it. You force a turnover in Purdue territory and you get a field goal, that's a win for the Iowa offense. So gonna definitely be looking for that. Dub a- anything else before we get out of, get out of here on this one. Are you gonna be in Iowa City this weekend? First time going out there, man. I'm excited. It's fun. Kinnick has a has a nice press box and best food I've ever had is uh, like at at a game is 100 in Iowa City. I was gonna say because we went to a bunch of us went to Virginia Tech and it was that long delay. We we're sitting up there for six hours, I think it was, and oh. they didn't have any food for us. It was wow. Brutal. 
So let's yeah. hope we don't have a six-hour delay in, in Iowa State. <laughs> <laughs> People have PTSD after the Nevada game last year. People were leaving at like 3 a.m. So uh, we're hoping that doesn't happen too. Either way, uh, folks in, in Iowa City do a, do, do a good job of taking care of us media. So uh, looking forward to meeting you there. We will wrap it up here, this episode of HotCast. We appreciate you tuning in. Brought to you by iowa.rivals.com. If you're not a premium subscriber yet, you can do that today at iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. Ton of great recruiting info coming, especially on the basketball side of things. Four-star recruit Farrell Compton on his official visit last weekend. He sat down with me and we talked about it. That article is up on iowa.rivals.com right now. So if you want to check that out, you can subscribe today. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rate and review wherever you're listening. If you're on YouTube, hit that like button, drop a comment. Let us know what you're thinking, your predictions for the game this weekend. So for now, I am Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. We'll see you next time.